You're listening to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church, and we're diving deep into the I Am statements of Jesus. We pray that this message is a blessing to you. You can connect with us at any time at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Who here loves bread? I love bread. You know, growing up, I used to love it when we went to my grandfather's house because he made his own bread. And uh, as kids, he taught us how to knead the bread properly and do all the right things. And, you know, we'd put it in the oven and us kids would then sit around for the next hour or so just salivating at the smell of the fresh bread that was cooking. And then when it came out of the oven, we were allowed to eat it warm with a bit of melted butter and then honey from granddad's own um, honey hives, beehives. It was amazing. Loved it. You know, different cultures have all different kinds of breads that they're known for. There's Italian, there's French, there's Lebanese, there's Turkish. I haven't found a bread that I don't love, except maybe gluten-free. And then you might as well toast a piece of cardboard because it's cheaper. You know, we don't actually go to restaurants for the bread. In fact, when we go to a restaurant or a function, the bread is the add-on. It's the side plate. It's just the appetizer. But in Jewish culture, bread was a central part of every meal. And it had been a central part of every meal since the time of Moses. See, in Exodus, God shows up to an enslaved Israel that were in need of rescue. And he first reveals himself to Moses in a burning bush, and he calls himself, I am. Then he brings plagues, he parts the sea, and then he sends bread from heaven daily as they wander through the wilderness. This bread, the Israelites called manna, and it would fall from the sky every day so that they would know that God would provide for them, that he was a God who could be trusted. And they were to gather it fresh every morning and only enough for that day, except on the Sabbath when they were allowed to gather a double portion. But if they gathered too much, the bread would turn moldy and they wouldn't be able to eat it. And then God gives them a meal to remember all of these signs, a meal that would point to him. It was called a Passover meal, a way to taste and recall these signs that pointed beyond themselves to a God who delivered them. And then when Jesus was first tested in the wilderness, Satan used bread. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Bread was a crucial part of Jewish culture and the narrative of scripture. So in John chapter six, when Jesus declared to the people that I am the bread of life, it had significant cultural insinuations. See, bread was a significant part in the imagery and the narrative of the gospel message. 
So today we're going to look a little closer at something as common and ordinary as bread. And specifically, we're going to focus on John chapter 6, if you want to follow along in your Bible. Up to this point, Jesus has been on a little bit of a miracle tour. He's been teaching and performing miracles all around the Galilee area, and he's gained quite the following by the time we get to John chapter 6. And John chapter 6 begins with Jesus performing what is probably his most famous, well-known miracle the feeding of the 5,000. Now, the key verse to this whole story, the verse that probably would have grabbed the uh, Hebrew reader's attention is a verse that you and I would probably just gloss over and look past. It's verse 4 in John chapter 6. The Jewish Passover festival was near. This verse unlocks the whole story. The intentionality and the timing of this miracle is key. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Goes on, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Don't you love how Jesus does that? Throws out a question that he already knows the answer to. Jesus already knew what he was going to do in this situation. But he was intentionally asking Philip this question because he wanted to set things up, to get ready for a sign that he was going to perform a sign that was going to point to something really important. See, this isn't just a, a random miracle because there were some hungry people around. It's a very intentional miracle performed to reveal something true about God. It's a miracle that points beyond the spectacle to the identity of the miracle worker. And you know, it's the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. But this is a sign, which means that Jesus is up to something more than just really efficient catering. He's retelling a familiar story to reveal something about God that's been rumoured but is still distant. See, by the time we get to John, the, the Israelites are crying out again for a liberator, this time from the Roman Empire, one like Moses. And the Jewish people believed that there were certain signs that would signal this great liberator, this saviour's arrival. And one of the signs that they were told to watch for was that manna would fall from heaven again. He would spread a Passover feast before them. Remember in verse 4, the Passover festival was near. So Jesus, like Moses, gives them bread in the wilderness. Out of what's essentially one kid's happy meal, Jesus feeds 5,000 plus people. It's a huge miracle. Jesus feeds them bread in the wilderness and when everyone's eaten all that they can, he gets his disciples to gather all of 
the leftovers. Verse 12. When they'd, had all, when they'd all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten them. 12 basketfuls left over. Remember, this is about a sign. This is very intentional on Jesus' part. It's not about the leftovers. It's about a sign. But every detail is important. Every detail points to the sign. Nothing is left to chance. It's a miracle that's pointing to a person. Twelve basketfuls of leftovers represent the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone in the, of the Israelites in that crowd would know exactly what Jesus was saying and exactly what the sign was pointing to. The prophet, the promised saviour, the one who would come to liberate them again, the one who would give them bread in the wilderness. You know, in Matthew's gospel, the feeding of the 5,000 is followed by an almost identical miracle. It's a repeat. It's exactly the same sign performed in exactly the same way, but in a new place, among new people. It's like Jesus is going on a bit of an encore tour. What's going on? See, the feeding of the 4,000 is an identical story to the feeding of the 5,000. The crowds are following Jesus, he's teaching them, he's healing the sick, and as the day draws to a close, he's in a remote place, and there's nothing to eat. So Jesus asks his disciples if they've got anything, and guess what? They've got a few fish and a few pieces of bread. It's an identical scene except for one important detail. See, the difference is that Jesus has crossed the lake. You see, in between feeding the 5,000 and feeding the 4,000, Jesus walks on water across the Galilee. He's crossed from one side to the other. And in doing so, he's now in Gentile territory, non-Israelite territory. He's in impure spiritual territory. See, the people gathered on this mountainside, hungry and in a remote place, are not Israelites. They're Gentiles, surrounded by a massive crowd of people who are considered to be second-class citizens. And outside of Yahweh's providing hand, Jesus performs the same sign. He gets the crowd to sit down. He takes the loaves and the fish, he gives thanks, and then he distributes them to his disciples and to the people who were gathered. They all ate, they were all satisfied, and when they'd finished, he got the disciples to gather all the leftovers, and this time, there wasn't 12 basketfuls left over, there were seven, seven basketfuls of leftovers. In Deuteronomy, the Canaanites were Israel's enemy. They were the bad guys. They were outside of the family of God. And they are referred to as the seven nations. Seven basketfuls for seven nations. Do you see what God is doing here, what Jesus is showing us? 
the person that the sign is pointing to. Twelve basketfuls say, I am the provider for all of Israel. And then seven basketfuls say, I am the provider not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. I am the provider for the whole world. I am the bread of life for all people. I am the one who gives life to every last person, to the most forgotten, the most marginalized, the most unqualified, the most dismissed, the one who thought that they were outside the promises of my providing hand. I've got a place of honor for you at the table. Jesus has more than enough for you today. See, these two miracles are great on their own. They're spectacular. But when you understand the broader narrative, every move that Jesus makes is so charged with meaning. Because then we come to John 26, verse 25, and the crowd of Israelites have crossed the lake and followed Jesus to the other side. And this is what he says to them, verse 25. He answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. See, the crowd were coming for the gifts, not the giver. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. See, manna had been about following God daily, trusting God daily for his provision. Now Jesus is saying to them, I don't want to just sustain you for a moment. I want to sustain you for life. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? They thought so. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the person that the sign is pointing to. I am the bread. I am the provision that's been given to you in the wilderness of your life. The Israelites ate manna in the wilderness every single day and they still died. 
Jesus says, when you partake of me, you'll never be hungry again. You won't die. In fact, this bread brings life for all eternity. See, Jesus not only sustains us for a moment, he sustains us for life. And the crowd missed that. They thought the miracle had been about filling their empty stomachs. But an empty stomach will be empty again in a moment. And he wanted to offer them soul food that would last forever. We live in a culture that is starving for attention, for meaning, for purpose, for truth, for love. It's a culture constantly looking for the survival stuff, the manna, something to satisfy our hunger now rather than going to the only source that can ever truly satisfy forever. Jesus, the bread of life. I don't know about you, but when I'm physically starving, I tend to make bad choices. Grocery shopping on a hungry stomach is fraught with danger because I end up with a trolley full of junk food. I get home and my son Joey says to me, Mom, have you been shopping hungry again? Yep. The diet goes out the window in that moment. I want to alleviate my hunger in a moment with food that ultimately leaves me feeling unsatisfied and pretty yuck. There's a deep hunger in our world for satisfaction. There are people in our families, in our workspaces, in our neighbourhoods, in our sporting clubs who have a deep hunger and a deep need to find satisfaction. They just don't know where to look for it. So they fill their trolleys with a whole stack of junk that will only satisfy for a short time. They fill their calendars with experiences that will thrill for a moment. They look to position and power, possessions, people to satisfy the longing in their soul. Jesus is the only one that can ever satisfy our soul. And he invites us to sit at his table. The table is an invitation to us for relationship, for connection, for intimacy. Because Jesus is all about relationship. You know, when we sit at the table with friends and, and family, we grow in relationship as we talk over food, as we break bread together. And Jesus is all about relationship. See, the hunger inside each of us is for a deeper connection, deeper relationship with the one who made you, the one who loves you with an everlasting love, the one who died on the cross for the sake of your soul and for your eternity. Jesus broke bread with his disciples to symbolize his willingness to sacrifice his very life. He wants to satisfy the deep hunger in your souls, my soul, for relationship with the Creator. He invites us to sit at his banqueting table. All of us. He, his invitation is for all of us. Now, I know this probably feels a little bit like I'm teaching you to make toast right now. It seems pretty basic. 
sometimes we've got to stop making it more complicated than it is. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. So let's make toast together. Three simple invitations from Jesus to satisfy your spiritual hunger. Firstly, eat fresh, not stale. Like I said, uh, we loved granddad's bread. There is nothing like fresh bread and eating it when it's just come out of the oven and it's warm and soft and smells delicious. That's the best time to eat bread. Tomorrow it will be okay, but you'll probably need to toast it. Next week you wouldn't want to touch it. It'll be stale and probably mouldy. But there's something about the smell of bread, fresh bread, that creates this expectation for something fresh, something satisfying and tasty. Everyday manna was for every day. They couldn't gather tomorrow's bread today. And Jesus says, trust me for a word, a new word, every day. Don't eat old, stale bread. Jesus says in Matthew 4, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He doesn't want you living on leftovers from yesterday. He has a fresh word, a fresh revelation, a spirit of revival for you today. There are blessings from yesterday and there are things worth celebrating from yesterday, but the breakthroughs of yesterday weren't meant to sustain us today. We need fresh revelation every day of who God is. And we find that fresh revelation by reading his word, his living word. You know, sometimes you might come to to read scripture and you kind of look at it and you go, I know that story, yeah, read that one before and we just kind of keep flicking past and glossing over it because it feels a bit stale. I know I'm guilty of that. But God's word is living and active and he will bring fresh revelation when we read his word. I want to encourage each of us that God has a word for you today. Don't give up. But to hear it, you've got to choose to slow down and savour the flavour. Chew slow and savour the flavour. You know, back when I was a kid, Dad said you had to chew every mouthful 20 times in order for your body to digest your food properly. Anybody else hear that as a kid? I took that saying to a whole new level of understanding. I chewed so slow as a kid that my parents got sick of waiting for me and they would take my dinner, put it in the fridge and I would have to eat it cold for breakfast and that happened just about every single night. Now if I leave something on the plate, I get excited, I celebrate. It's like, oh, Weight Watchers would be so proud. You know, I felt the challenge in my heart not that long ago. I said to God, I don't want to just settle for the crumbs. You know what I heard him whisper to me? said, Susan, that can be hard when you're always eating on the run. Ouch. You know, eating on the run will keep us going for a short time, but it won't sustain us for long. 
You know, most of us lead busy lives. We live in a world that goes at a fast pace. And sometimes there's things that we can do about it. Cutting back on Netflix, reducing social media. We've heard it all before. We know the drill. But sometimes there's not a lot we can do about the busyness in our lives. But if we want to satisfy the deep hunger in our souls that can only be satisfied by Jesus the bread of life. We've got to learn to find times and ways to chew slow and savour the flavour. You know, I know for me, if I look at my calendar for the day and it's pretty full, if I don't spend time with Jesus, slow time in his presence before I even get out of bed in the morning, I'm going to be eating on the run for the rest of the day. And it's not that I'm not connecting with God, it's just not satisfying and it won't sustain me for the long term, especially if I'm doing it day after day. I've got to refuel my spirit. You know, my slow time involves journaling. I love journaling my thoughts around scripture. I write out my prayers word for word. It helps me to slow down my thoughts to be really intentional with my words. And it helps me get rid of the rest of the noise that's in my head and help me connect with God. I had a friend who worked in retail and because her day was so busy and started so early, she'd go out to the staff car park in her lunchtime because there was no one there. She'd put worship music on in the car. She'd read her Bible. She would journal. She found time to not only satisfy her physical hunger, but to satisfy her spiritual hunger, to savour a whole hour with Jesus. You know, busy can be unavoidable, but don't keep putting off tomorrow's meal what you can enjoy and be satisfied with every day. Find your way. You know, I want to encourage you in this week after Easter, spend some time reading Acts chapter 1 to 4. It's an incredible part of Scripture. The disciples have witnessed Jesus' death. They've witnessed him resurrected from the dead. They've spent 40 days with them. And in these chapters, they'll see Jesus ascend to heaven and he tells them to wait. Wait for the gift of the Spirit. Journey this with them as they wait together and then the Spirit is poured out over them on the day of Pentecost. And they're preaching with power and boldness and healing the sick. I want to encourage you to read these scriptures. Take it to your heart. Allow it to influence your spirit. Choose slow. Savour the flavour. What does God want to speak to you in these scriptures? Receive fresh revelation from him. And lastly, eat croissants, not crumbs. Jesus has a feast for you. But sometimes we settle for just eating the crumbs. You know, when... We love croissants in our house. Who doesn't love croissants? I mean, they're divine. And we eat croissants on special occasions for breakfast. Whether it's a birthday or Christmas, we pile them high with jam and cream. It's so delicious. But nobody at our table sits there and says, boy, those croissants look amazing. Can I have some crumbs? 
Can I maybe just nibble on the edge? That would be silly, right? But sometimes, sometimes we don't feel worthy of the good stuff. And we sit at the table, but we don't feel worthy to eat the croissants, so we just settle for the crumbs. Sin will often make us feel unworthy. Satan wants you to believe that you're not worthy. So he tries to convince you that you're not good enough. You did what? Surely you can't eat the croissants. We become overwhelmed with sin and guilt and shame, so we just sit in the corner and nibble on the crumbs. Jesus. Jesus, the bread of life, the one who wants to satisfy the deep hunger in your soul. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If we want to accept the invitation to be filled, we've got to be willing to repent. To choose not to satisfy our hunger with inferior sources. Jesus is offering it all. A plate piled high with croissants dripping in jam and cream. Are you hungry for more? Are you hungry to be filled? See, no matter where you are on your spiritual growth, no matter how spiritual you think you are, Jesus always has more. You never arrive at the end. Jesus has always got more to give you, more to show you, more to reveal to you, more to feed you with. There's always more. If you believe in Jesus, you're already sitting at the table. Nothing can separate you. But don't settle for just the crumbs. Eat the croissants. Eat fresh. Choose slow to discover the more that Jesus has for you. You know, when Jesus wanted everyone to understand what they are about to witness through his crucifixion, he gave them bread. He took a loaf that he tore in two and he divided it around the table and he said to his disciples, Take this, eat this, remember me. And then if we go all the way to the end of the biblical story in Revelation, heaven and earth are restored in eternity with this God of pursuing love. And he says it will be like bread, like a feast that never ends. This meal that we're about to share together today is a simple picture of the way that we will sit with Jesus and our hunger will be satisfied for all of eternity. What an invitation. You know, this little piece of bread that we're going to take today, it won't satisfy your physical hunger a very little piece. But this bread represents the body of Christ, the bread of life broken for you. See what this little piece of bread and this juice 
does, it reminds us that Jesus has everything that you need and he's done everything that you need to satisfy your spiritual hunger. We're going to take a moment before we take communion. I want to encourage everybody to close your eyes. It's going to take a moment to examine our hearts. Maybe some of us today are conscious that we've been eating the wrong stuff. Maybe filling our trolleys, our lives with junk, stuff that isn't good for us and that ultimately won't satisfy. Is there something that you need to bring before Jesus to confess to him? says he will forgive. What do you need to confess this morning? Maybe some of us are feeling unworthy. We don't actually feel worthy to receive what God is offering for whatever reason. What do you need to receive from him today? What's the hungry cry in your heart for more? Where are those feelings of unworthiness coming from? Jesus is offering himself. His arms are open in invitation to each and every one of us today. He says, I am the bread of life. Who comes to he who comes to me will never go hungry. Is there a longing in your heart for more? Thank you. Thank you that you gave everything for us so that we would know true satisfaction. God, that our hungry souls would be fed. That we would be able to take our place at the table, not just here, but for all of eternity. God, you made a way for us through Jesus. We're so grateful we celebrated that last weekend. God, where we've been eating the wrong stuff, the things that aren't of you but are of this world, stuff that ultimately leaves us feeling empty, unsatisfied, hungry. God, would you forgive our sins? God, would you remove the things in our life that are blocking us from stepping fuller into relationship with you? 
God, the sin that's kind of made us feel unworthy and just worthy enough maybe to eat the crumbs. Oh, Jesus, where we felt unworthy, I pray that you would help us to experience all over again your open arms inviting us into relationship, a place at the table, the wedding feast that you have laid out for us. God, you made us in your image. You love us with an everlasting love and your body was broken for us. You say, come, eat, partake. And we're so grateful, God. So grateful for the invitation. You are the bread of life. And you promise that when we ask, you will come. And we will be satisfied. Thank you, Jesus. As Jesus reclined at the table with his disciples, he took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Today, we're going to celebrate this very simple meal together and remember and give thanks to the one who made a way for us to know true satisfaction forever. I want to encourage you, there are tables at the front and at the back. And when you're ready, come and take a piece of bread, a very little piece of bread and some juice. Give thanks to God for the way that he has opened the invitation to each and every one of us to know true and lasting satisfaction for all of eternity. Won't you come now?
Jesus, we thank you that you are indeed the bread of life. We thank you for the gift of your son. That you made a way for us to be in relationship with you for all of eternity. To sit at your table. Jesus, we're so grateful for the invitation to come and be satisfied, both now and forevermore. God, would you help us to keep coming into your presence, to receive a fresh word every day, a fresh revelation of who you are, of the gift that you've given us. And God, would you help us to wholeheartedly partake of the feast that you've laid out before us. You're a good father. And we're so grateful. We worship you. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Won't you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. If you are here today and you actually feel like you don't have a place at the table, you haven't stepped into a relationship with Jesus, we're going to have a prayer team that are going to come down the front right now. They would love to stand alongside you, open the invitation for you, pray with you and welcome you to the table in relationship with Jesus. And if there's anything else that you would like prayer for this morning, our welcome team would love to stand alongside you as we worship him, as we lift his name. Every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring
Jesus, the bread of life, would you come and fill us afresh? Come and satisfy our hunger. We worship you. We love you. We give thanks. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Our prayer team will continue to be down here if you would like someone to stand alongside you. But remember this week, Acts chapter 1 to 4. Be inspired. Be filled with the Spirit as the disciples were. Bless you. We will see you next week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.